3: I'm Sheila Seuige and welcome to Ready To Be Real Conversations, the podcast series where I chat to people of all walks of life. Some names you'll recognise, others you might not, but my hope is that these conversations will at times inspire, challenge, educate, comfort or simply entertain you. This week I speak to Grammy-nominated, multi-platinum singer-songwriter, producer and artist, Ruth Ann.
4: And it's not something when i go places i don't go look at my locker i I just it's for me really you know Mm. it's just for me to have and you know i just it really it really has helped me um with what i've been going through especially as well with the excitement of of my rainbow baby and everything it's like i kind of i'm like you know but but my little one is with us too you know i almost feel like you know, my little one is helping yeah.
1: <laughs> the rainbow
4: baby, you know, in a way like yeah. still, still a part of me
3: Ruth Anne is engaged to Ollie and they live in London with her dog Ruby who they adore a gifted artist in her own right she's also penned hits for the likes of Britney, Jojo, Niall Horan One Direction and John Legend and as the founder of Irish Women and Harmony she and all the incredible people involved in the beautiful cover of the Cranberry's classic Dreams have raised over €200,000 for the Safe Ireland charity. Earlier this week we sat down to have a conversation and she covered so much in it, from her joy of being pregnant but also how challenging the past few years have been for her, dealing with the pain of miscarriage and crippling endometriosis. We also speak about a relationship with her fiancé Ollie, the bond she has with her parents and the importance of looking after yourself. She's grounded, supremely talented and hardworking, and is a strong yet gentle soul. Simply put, she's a gorgeous person and I absolutely adored listening to her. Here it is. Ruth Ann, you are so welcome to the podcast and a massive congratulations.
4: Thank you so much and congratulations to you too. We're only a few weeks apart. I know, I think
3: we're only about two weeks apart. I'm 18 weeks now.
4: Oh, and I'm 16 weeks tomorrow, so okay, there
3: you go. <laughs> and we're both having baby girls.
4: Yeah, oh, I didn't know yours was a baby girl. Congratulations. Yes.
3: Thank you. On Instagram, your gender reveal was one of the, the cutest and most love-filled things I've ever seen. And it was just Aww. amazing to see all your friends and family together for this... Such a joyous yeah. occasion! It's so special.
4: Well, I, you know, I wasn't sure if we'd even do a gender reveal, and it was mainly because everything with my fam, with our families, has had to be on Facetime. So telling them you're pregnant, you know, everyone was on Facetime. I hadn't seen my parents in seven months, and um, and then basically, uh, for, we, re- my parents were then able to come over, because um, they 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 came over, uh, finally. And we decided why not do something finally in person with them and with our friends, because the restrictions here had dropped and everything. So we were like able to have, you know, 15 people in the garden and we COVID tested everyone and it was just really safe. And it was just lovely to get to do something about the pregnancy in person yeah.
3: everything
4: has been over Zooms and FaceTimes.
3: And especially after the year we've had to have some Good news. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. And something to celebrate. <laughs> Brilliant.
4: Yeah. It was honestly such a special day and such a special moment. And it was just amazing. And, and you know, just to see everyone surprised. Everyone was guessing. You know, everyone guesses what they think. A lot of people thought boy for us. But, um, you know, then it was a girl. Everyone was just so excited. And it's my parents' first granddaughter because oh. they have three nephews. I have three or three niece, Um, So they then now they have a granddaughter on the way, which is exciting.
3: <laughs> that is exactly the same in our house.
4: Yeah! Oh, amazing! Exactly the
3: same. Yeah. So yeah, they have three <laughs> grandsons, no granddaughter, and this little one will be the first granddaughter I in my family that. as well. I'm it's like snap, <laughs> snap all over the place. It's brilliant. Yeah,
4: paralleling.
3: Mm, yes, watching you with your folks, I found it really heartwarming to see the absolute love and connection that you have with them, and it's it feels, it feels really powerful to watch. You're you're very close to them.
4: I'm very close to them. Yeah. I've actually gotten even closer to them over the last few years because I was in LA for eight years, lived there. That was very hard to keep as much contact. But since I moved back to London, I'm, you know, I'm so much closer, we're on the same time zone. I mean, I talk to them every day, um, and especially during the pandemic and with COVID and everything, it just puts everything to perspective about how important like family is and friends are, and you know, your loved ones are. So, and with everything that I've gone through the last few years in my health. And um, they've just really been there for me and been such a support and just been a rock. And so, yeah, I'm very, very close with my parents and I just love them like so much. And just, yeah, very happy that I got to that. It was some happy news for our family, you know, and what's been a tough year for everybody.
3: Yeah. And as you said, it hasn't been an easy road for you guys as it is for a lot of people. As you know, as you know, you know, I've had my my own stuff as well. And, and yeah. I think that's the way it is for a lot of people. It's not necessarily... I mean, I don't I don't believe there are any straight lines with anything anyway, but particularly when it comes to fertility or making babies, it's, it's often uh, a challenging road for people. So I think it makes it all the sweeter yeah. you know, when you're at this point and all is going so well. How are you feeling?
4: I'm feeling good. I mean, like it's so it's so amazing that you're talking about this stuff because I think it's so important, and you're so amazing for speaking out about it because it's something that we have to talk about more. Because I kind of compare it to like when you're told when you're younger about Santa, you kind of grow up thinking, you know, you look at a boy and get pregnant. That's kind of yeah. the, that's kind of what's kind of thrown. It's like, you know, you you meet a boy, you 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 know, don't don't you know, be careful, get on the pill, like don't get pregnant, don't get pregnant, don't get pregnant. Don't get pregnant. And then when you go to get pregnant, it's like it's this whole other world of things that you had no idea what what can actually be going on in your own body and menstrual health. And it's really like such a world for women to come into sometimes in their late twenties and early thirties or late thirties. And you're going, hold on a minute, why didn't I know this, all this stuff that could be going on. And so for me, it's like, I feel amazing now and I have my rainbow baby on the way, but I'm still, Mm. you know, I would say that the first 12 weeks of this pregnancy were incredibly difficult on my mental health and my anxiety was skyrocketing so i had to kind of go to therapy i had a therapist you know that i would zoom with you know yeah. a loss to yeah. just keep me keep me calm and keep my anxiety and um, as as in check as we could and just trying to stay positive but it's a really scary thing when you've had a loss or when you've had fertility issues um, when you do get pregnant it's amazing but you're also terrified like it's a hard feeling to describe it's a very confusing feeling and um, because mm. you're on one end you're just so excited and so thrilled and then at on the one end you're kind of so terrified that something's gonna go wrong and i still have that every day but with every scan and with everything with this pregnancy i'm getting more and more confident i would say but i still am you know cautious and 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 a little bit still anxious so it's a it's a I've been going to that with my therapist of like, it's a confusing feeling, you know, you want to be just buying everything and so excited and, you know, but you, there's a part of you that's like, okay, let's just take this one day at a time. If that makes sense.
3: Oh, it makes complete sense. I, I, I'm, I'm connecting with every word you're saying. Yeah. And I think, and I I think unless you have experienced loss, well, I mean, I don't know maybe that's not a fair thing to say, but I I feel I'm only basing it on the fact that this is my fourth pregnancy and, you know, the first time I was pregnant resulted in my little boy and I yeah. was really naive and I, I didn't, I suppose, it was, there was blissful actually that that kind of innocence was blissful. Yeah. And even though I did have moments of, of concern, it, it, it's a completely different ball game now, you know, right. having experienced yeah. loss. So I, no, I get it. I get it. And I think anyone listening who has as well will be nodding along with you.
4: I think for me, my first pregnancy was I lost, so yeah. my only experience of pregnancy, you know, up until I reached the second trimester this time,
1: yeah. was
4: was a loss. So yeah. that was hard to come to terms with, and it still is because it's the only. It's it's like your brain only remembers. It's like a bit of trauma. It's the only thing. It's the only thing I I can go by is the experience I had, um, in December because we were pregnant in December and I lost the baby ten weeks um in in January, ten weeks in, and so that was kind of all I had to go by. So when I got yeah. this pregnant the second time very quickly actually it happened very quickly and you know of course it was just panic it was excitement but panic because whereas the first time it was just excitement because I didn't know anything I didn't know anything yeah. so it's a it's a hard it's a hard thing to go through a loss first I think it's hard to go through a loss at any time you know whether you've had babies or you know and and you have a loss into like you what you've experienced and then it's really hard to have the first experience be a loss so I'm just so I'm what, what's really kept me going is the fact that I just feel so not alone. You know, there's so many women who've been through this. And I think when it happens to you for a second, you're thinking, wait, am I the only one this has happened to? And then you realize yeah. when you talk to people like how many women this has actually happened to. And that really helped me get through it. You know,
3: big time. People feel empowered more, I think, to talk about it. Not just women, but couples as well, don't they?
4: 100% because I think that when you go through, you know what's interesting with miscarriage for me was that I knew the word and I knew what it meant mm. and I've had, it's happened to family members, it's happened, but I didn't know what it physically entailed. I didn't know, you know, we don't talk about it in detail a lot of the time, you know? And so for me, I, after I experienced it, I told a lot of my close friends exactly what happened to me in detail because I feel it's important that people know what actually happens physically and yeah. emotionally because i think that and even for my partner he didn't know what was going to be what it was going to entail and um, because for me it and you know i was in rush to hospital i was it, it was like a horror movie it was it was a three-day hospital stay alone because my, my my partner was kicked out screamed out to get to kick to be to kicked out because of covid of the hospital but yeah. i was bleeding everywhere and And he wanted a doctor and it was a very traumatic three day, you know, experience. And I had, and I got a blood transfusion in the end because my blood levels dropped so significantly and it was all emergency. And it was, it was just something that I had no idea that, 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 that was how it could happen. It happens different for every woman. This is the thing. It's, it's every woman's only own experience, Mm. but I had no idea because no one that I knew ever talked to me about what actually happens. So I just was like, this was like, you know, my partner thought I was going to die, you know, and at one stage it got really scary with how much I was bleeding and, and, and the blood transfusion and everything, but it was just like, whoa, this is something that I had no idea about. And that's why I do want to speak about it because I know other women have had different experiences of miscarriage in different weeks and different times. And it's all so traumatic physically and it's so traumatic emotionally. And I think it's important that women know about it in detail so that they know, you know, when it happens to them, oh, you know, that that, that thing happened to me or this experience happened to me and they can kind of feel like they didn't go through this alone. Yeah. And because everyone has their own different experience of it, but I know that someone out there has experienced exactly what I went through and someone has experienced exactly what you've gone through. And and so it's just like, that's why I, want to talk about it because um, it does make you feel less alone knowing that other women have gone through it. Mm-hmm.
3: And even to be able to talk about it now I I completely appreciate it. particularly when you are expecting again and, and you're so happy and then you have to manage any kind of feelings of anxiety around it but then to kind of talk about something so difficult it's not an easy thing to do. It does sound like physically it was massively traumatic and then obviously it's the emotional impact of going through that experience and kind of getting yourself into the right zone to to try again or, you know, be ready to try again. And, and you said it kind of happened quick enough, um, yeah. which is often often the case. It can be quite difficult to absorb when people say, oh, look, if you've miscarried, you know, your chance of getting pregnant again are pretty high because you're you're yeah. grieving the loss of your baby.
4: Yeah. And I'm still I'm still grieve. Yeah. I still am grieving the loss every day. I have a a locket that I'm touching right now, a locket that I got engraved um, that I touch all the time, you know, and it's normally my little comfort blanket now. I just touch it whenever I feel any any sort, sort of way. But I, I I always think, you know, I never understand why these things happen. Mm. Um, and, of course, the other thing with miscarriage is that a lot of the time it's women, we blame ourselves. We think yeah. it's something I did. It's something I ate. I mean, I still haven't eaten turkey mints because it happened the day I ate turkey mints, oh, and I was okay. like, maybe it was the turkey mints. You know, you start looking for anything it could have been, or and you never get a reason and you never get an answer. And 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 then there's a certain amount of acceptance that has to come along with with it because mm. you know you're going to try again, and and you have to. You're still, I'm still grieving, and then there's a certain amount of acceptance that has to come, and there's a certain amount of like you can't blame yourself for everything, you can't, women always feel like it's something that we've done, we've failed, it's like this failure complex of like, did I fail as, as a woman, you know? And that's something that with me, I really went through in therapy and, and I'm the type of person that I'm a very determined person. For me, it was like that, ba- you know, my baby will always be my baby that, you know, and, and part of me mm-hmm. and, you know, and the fact that I tried again so quickly um, was more about me going you know I really want this and I want to have I want to have a family and I was re- I felt ready yeah I felt ready to try and um, we're I, I feel so blessed that it happened for us so quickly after but then you know when you're in this midst of almost like this mission of like we're gonna make this happen what you're not ready for is when it does happen that the fear because yeah. I, I wasn't ready for that I was like why am I so afraid now? And it's because of obviously what had happened before. Cause you don't want to go through that again. And, um, and so it's a really horribly confusing thing on your emotions. And that's why women who go through this, you have to be so kind to yourself and take care of yourself and have a very supportive partner. And because they're going through it as well. And, yeah. um, and I'm so lucky with my partner, he was just so supportive. You know, he was like, we don't, we can try in six months. We can try in a year, whatever you want. He was happy to go with whatever I wanted to do. But he was, I mean, the look on his face, he was terrified. And he's been terrified every scan. He's been terrified. I can just tell. He's like, oh, my God, please say everything's okay, you know? So it's just a very hard thing to go through. But I'm so happy that we were able to to, to, to get pregnant, you know? And I think that what a lot of people don't realize is that having a baby is, tr- is truly a miracle.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
4: it really is a miracle. And... I just am keeping positive that we'll have our miracle yes. in, <laughs> in another seven months.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. The locket you mentioned, that um that sounds that sounds really lovely. Is it is it something you got to mark your baby or was it something yeah. you always had? Okay.
4: It was something I got right after um it happened. Um I wasn't sleeping great. I was having some night terrors and flashbacks and um I went through a lot in the hospital. By I was by myself um, mm. for three days in hospital. I couldn't have any visitors or anything like that. So I went through a lot in hospital. And so when I got back, I was really having trouble sleeping. And, uh, you know, and I needed something. I, I read somewhere um, a woman's story and she talked about having a physical, um, like some people plant a rose bush in their garden or having something physical to be able to visit or touch or have like people have a bracelet or something. And we thought about tattoos, but then it's COVID and nothing's open. So I thought, what better way to just have my first baby like close, as close to my heart as possible. So I got a locket um, from Tiffany with little one engraved on it because that's what we had been calling our little one. And um, yeah, I I haven't taken it off ever since it arrived. Um, And I got it like the week after. It arrived the week after. And um, it's like so special to me. Um, Yeah. And even my, my fiance knows like if I'm touching it, he's like, you know, if an emotional song comes on or, you know, if we, if you know, the things you get triggered by, I'll be, Mm. I'll be touching it, you know, galore. And he's going, he'll just put his arm around me or it's just a little point of physical remembrance, I think. And it really helps me through actually, um, anything that when I'm feeling that way, um, it makes me feel like I'm close to, to, to the baby that I lost.
3: Yeah. That's gorgeous.
4: And it's, not something when I go places I don't go look at my locker I just I just it's for me really you know mm. it's just for me to have and you know I just it really it really has helped me um with what I've been going through especially as well with the excitement of of my rainbow baby and everything it's like I kind of I'm like you know but but my little one is with us too you know I almost feel like you know my little one is helping the rainbow baby you know in a way like still still a part of me so um yeah it helps
3: yes so ollie and yourself are very much a team any anytime i've ever heard you speak about him it sounds like you are very much kindred spirits you're you're quite similar
4: yeah where he is my best friend i think i think first and foremost like we're best friends and I I always heard that when I was younger you're growing up and you're dating you know you're dating all the bad boys and you're getting your heart broken and and there's there's never been that foundation for me that I have with Ollie and we're just best friends and and he knows me you know sometimes better than I know myself and I know him the same and we've been through a lot together for the amount of time we've been together because right after I met Ollie was when I started going through my endometriosis struggle so and he's younger than me he's 9 years younger than me so he's really had to come to terms with a lot mm. and i throughout the time we've been together i'm like i think you should just break up with me because this is just way too much baggage for so some, for someone your age he's 26 and i'm like listen babe you know you could be with someone way easier because i've had all these health issues but he's been with me every step of the way and i you know, I don't when when you think of having children, you think of starting a life with someone, you truly need a partner that would be as no one I've been with in the past would have stayed, you know, and supported yeah. me like he has. Um, and so it's just we're just and it's brought us even closer, actually, so much closer, everything we've been through. Um, and he, he really is my rock.
3: And it goes to show as well that age for a lot of people is no indicator of maturity. You can have, you could have a guy like in his forties that may not be able or wouldn't have the emotional maturity to deal with what you guys were, were you know faced with as a couple. But then you have Ollie, who is, as you said, twenty six, but he's he's just he's there for it. He's solid. He's able.
4: He's an old soul. I think he, you know, even my parents would say he's just an old soul. He has a, a very mature. I mean, he's twenty six in a lot of ways, but then he has this other side that's just a very nurturing caring very supportive older soul is all I can describe and because when I started dating him all my friends were like oh he's way too young it's never gonna last he'll be off with the next one he finds and then when they met him within like 10 minutes they were like oh no I get it he's not he's not his age he's older so I think I'm just lucky in that way that I found someone that kind of is young at heart because I'm a bit like that as well I'm a bit, bit of a big kid at heart but has just that old soul and I think that's why we we uh, bond so well and we love music. We have so much of the same interests as well. But um, yeah, he's really been there for me through what's been actually like a tough few, few years health wise.
3: Yeah, let's talk about that because, you know, endometriosis is something that a lot of women struggle with, but not a lot of women are comfortable speaking about openly. So again, I, I admire you massively for using your voice to normalize the, the conversation around it, oh, which okay. is so important.
4: It's so important. I mean, the minute that I got my diagnosis, and I mean, it was there was just it was no brainer. I was like, I'm speaking about this because, yeah, and I want to get an educated. I mean, I'm ta- I I have several, you know, discussions going on with people in 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 in, the, in Ireland, senators, and with the education system because I want uh, menstrual health educated in schools. It's something that you know, music is obviously what I kind of am known for in a way, but this is my passion now. This is a purpose that. I feel like it's happened to me for a reason because I will, I have no problem talking about it. And it's because mm. it, it's too important not to. And there are so many women out there suffering and, um, and they don't know where to go. They, there's a lot of misinformation about it. And if I would have known what could have, what could have been going on in my body, you know, when I was a teenager and um, I would have gotten treated earlier. There's so many women who don't get treated for this until they're, it, well into having fertility issues and they don't know why. And um, and so the earlier that it's found, the better. And so for me, it's like, it's actually more of a, like, I feel like I have to speak about it because I need younger people to go and get the help earlier so that yeah. they can, you know, not have the struggles that a lot of women have had in their 30s with fertility. So for me, it was like, I am definitely speaking about this.
3: And as you said, um, it is something that yeah. you could have you know, as a teenager and not realize that you're, you know, you're having, you, you know, discomfort or pain or whatever it is. And it could be this, but it's left untreated. Actually, can we, can you talk about what exactly it is for someone listening who may have heard the term, but doesn't really know what, what, what is it?
4: Basically, endometriosis is like the lining of the endometrium, endometrium and the lining of the womb basically starts implanting in places that it shouldn't be. Yeah so it starts implant and it can implant on it's basically lesions that kind of um cyst kind of things that implant on different organs in the body and it can actually be found a lot of people think with endometriosis that it's only on the reproductive organs in a woman but it actually can be found everywhere it's been found on the brain in some women It's been found on the lungs and for me it was my bowel my bladder and my pelvis mostly and um, so it really can attach to any organ in the body and what happens is and um, it's every month with a woman's cycle, and this is where the reproductive part comes in, it reacts with the woman's cycle. So it inflames every month, it enlarges, it grows every month along with the woman's cycle. And that's why most women would have the pain and the mm-hmm. discomfort and the symptoms around the time of their period or the time of their ovulation. Um, but in some cases, like my case, I was having chronic pain 24 hours a day, every day, every month except for about five to seven days after my time of the month i would have no pain and then it would come back every day 24 hours a day every month every you know 24 hours a day so it depends on how severe your um, endometriosis has gotten and mine had gotten so severe and um, that it was you know that there was nothing that could suppress it there was it was just getting out of control and um, so that's basically what it is and um, in a nutshell
3: and you, you you, went on then to have surgery because it was so bad.
4: Yeah, for me, um, the, pain, the pain was just constant and so severe and it was affecting my quality of life. It was affecting my work. I was having to cancel so many massive opportunities. I was performing and, you know, getting repeatedly punched in the stomach and barbed wire. It feels like barbed wire is ripping your organs apart. And I'd have to, you know, um, make my sets shorter because I was in too much pain. I couldn't walk a lot of the oh. time. And I was collapsing at the gym and being brought to hospital. So it was just getting to the point where my mental health was deteriorating and it was ravaging my body. And it just got to the point where I I, I went on kind of a mission to to find what was wrong. And um, it took me a year and a half to get to to get to the bottom of it. when I started really, you know, going to doctors, getting blood tests, getting ultrasounds. And what's crazy about uh, endometriosis is it's one of the hardest diseases to diagnose. And um, so all my blood tests were clear, normal. My ultrasounds, I had several, um, sto- you know, over the stomach and transvaginal, all clear, everything fine, you're fine, you're fine. Okay. Every time I collapsed, you're fine, your blood's are fine, your blood pressure's fine. I had an MRI that was normal. So I was constantly being told that I was fine, but I knew that I wasn't. So I, I researched and I found an amazing specialist, uh, endometriosis specialist dr dennis tapov in the uk and hardy street Mm -hmm. and the first day i met with him he sat with me for two and a half hours and i knew i was like well this is the guy he went through everything and he said i'm pretty sure you have it and i think you need the surgery and but with endometriosis they actually don't know what they're going to find until they go in there okay so then you know when he got in there it was a four hour operation and, and I, I almost lost part of my bowel, but thankfully um, he said, I got it done just in time. And, and I didn't have to lose part of my bowel.
3: Wow. So timing was everything. Yes. Yeah.
4: Timing was everything. And yeah. that's why I'm so vocal about it because um, I get a lot of women reaching out to me who are told, you know, you know, the waiting list is a year long and, you know, we really have to do better in terms of, treating endometriosis and in- go private because there's too long waiting lists for surgeries or the wrong surgeries are being done outdated methods that are making it worse. And so, um, that's why I want to talk about, you know, I had the wide excision surgery, which is the the, the main surgery that has the best chance of, um, of helping endometriosis and, mm. um, and just making sure that people know to really fight to, to, to get seen and to be heard because the longer that you leave it, the worst that they can become to the point where women have had to lose organs. And that was my biggest fear with going asleep was like, you know, don't take any of my organs, wake me up because I wanted to have children. And, um, you know, wake me up before you take a massive organ. Cause they don't know where it's going to be. And um, when they go in there, so you're incredibly nervous. And then the only way to definitively diagnose endometriosis is the surgery. Mm. That's the only d- definite way is for them to actually go in and look. And so when he woke me up and said you know you weren't being dramatic and you weren't it wasn't all in your head you have you know stage four severe deep infiltrating endometriosis I cried just sobbed because it finally was the answer that I had been searching for yeah being in so much pain for so long and I finally felt like I'd been um like heard and seen and and you know I wasn't just making it up in my head because a lot of women are kind of made feel like Oh, it's just your period. You're just being dramatic, you know, and um, there can be real, real ish, you know, severe stuff going on inside. So when I got that news, I was just, you know, that was it was life changing and, and the surgery changed my life.
3: Yeah, I was just about to ask. So when you recovered from the surgery, was it completely different how you felt?
4: Oh, my God. So from the minute I woke up from surgery, um, I felt like a weight had been taken from my body I felt like a demon this sounds really kooky but I actually felt like a demon had left my body mm, no. I actually turned around to Ollie and I said my mind is clear I feel lighter like and you know the little things that a lot of us take for granted which I took for granted growing up just being able to walk down the street without being in pain because for for me walking was going upstairs was a big stress <laughs> every day and um, and so even just stairs would be stressful for me because it was so painful and to just be able to walk without pain was just life-changing. I almost had forgotten what it was like to not have pain when I walked so it was just like walking without pain, being able to see friends without being, because the fatigue with endometriosis is something as well that sometimes gets overlooked like you're just chronically fatigued. There's nothing that takes the tiredness away. You can nap, you can rest, you're just constantly fatigued. So, Everything becomes like the biggest thing. So, even just being around friends was exhausting or going and doing normal things. And um, so, being able to do that again was just, I mean, he, he saved my life. You know, I, you know, he's now my like best friend. My doctor mm. is my doctor. I go from for everything. He's oh. like, you know, I'm like mainly just gynecology. I'm like, listen, I have a sore throat. What's going on? <laughs> We're like besties <laughs> now. He's the only one I trust.
3: <laughs> he's the only one I trust. I love it. Yeah. Well, yeah.
4: the only thing with me was, and this is the thing with endometriosis is that it really does wreak havoc on your entire, it's, it's a full body disease. So it's not, I'm not out of the woods completely. Mm. Um, during that, I have um, adenomyosis, which is the sister disease to endometriosis, which means that the endometriosis is inside the uterus. It's untreatable. It's not something that can be treated. And it's something where it would be hysterectomy. Now, because I wanted to have children.
1: You should celebrate yourself every day.
4: he obviously woke me up and was like, I would never take your uterus without asking. And he -hmm. said, it can be challenging to carry children, but it's possible. And so he just told me to keep positive. And, um, but that he said that if I did have any symptoms, that would be from the adenomyosis. So I still, when I was getting my, my time of the month back would have certain symptoms. And that seemed like it's endometriosis, but it would be the adenomyosis that I have to deal with. Um, But I can take, a few days out of the month versus, you know, the whole month of pain. So it's nowhere near what it was before. Yeah. And I also have hypothyroidism, which is a thyroid uh uh problem Addition, yeah. that, that is also heavily linked with endometriosis. Mm. So um it kind of destroys it kind of wreaks havoc on your whole body. And that's why I would say anyone who is out there, you know, who thinks they have endometriosis, I like, get your thyroids checked you know, get your whole body checked because it can kind of um, go after other things. So it's, I've had to kind of completely change my lifestyle after my surgery as well, which was a big thing.
3: Yeah, and hypothyroidism is it's having an underactive thyroid. So I would imagine you're probably on medication for that too, are you?
4: Yes, yes, I'm on supplements. Yeah. I'm on natural supplements um, Great. versus medication. Um, and they've been amazing for me. Brilliant. And there is other things like with endometriosis and with, because women have been asking me, you know how does it affect your fertility and it can affect your fertility and it really depends where your endometriosis is Mm. um in your body um and it depends on a lot of factors and that's why it's so important that you have someone a doctor that understands your endometriosis and really will take it seriously and treat it and help you because when you do want to have children you want to have it under you know under control and but having said that as well there's lots of women who've had children that have endometriosis and didn't even know they had it Yeah, And so it's kind of one of them things that it's case by case and it's not. My story will be very different to someone else's story. But for me, especially after I had my loss this year, I met with an amazing wellness doctor um, from Rejuve Wellness, Dr. Simone. And Mm. she's helped lots of couples with fertility. And she uh, has hypothyroidism as well and knows all about endometriosis. And she put me on this kind of pillar of wellness, seven pillars of wellness plan lifestyle plan and I do believe it's a big part of how we got pregnant again and um, naturally because it was just um cutting out certain foods and um, having supplements for my thyroid finally I'd never had supplements before and um, going to acupuncture it was like a whole nutrition mindfulness meditating everything thing and it, it really got my body I feel like in the right place I don't know I mean we'll never know conceiving can also be just a miracle of of God and timing and the universe but for me I felt the best that I'd felt in years.
3: Yeah, I'm a massive believer in in you know preparing as best you can and then kind of letting go and letting you know letting a bit of magic trickle in and if it's meant to be it'll happen and and I know that that can be so tough to hear if if it hasn't happened for you yet or if if it didn't happen and maybe time has passed and it's not something that that you felt like you you got to experience but I'm I am a big believer in kind of ticking boxes and, and looking at not just the physical, but as you said, the mental meditation or whatever it is that works for you that relaxes yeah. the mind and that mind body connection. It is so, so powerful.
4: Yeah, I totally agree. And just just on that, what what I what really was good for me was it distracted me like it, because I was doing this. Give you for focus, my body. Yeah. It like, it, yeah. It, instead of me thinking. You know because the stress on your body and the pressure that you can put on yourself as a woman like we have to have a baby we have to get it we have to get pregnant we have to get pregnant you know that stress that can put your body in you know really for me when i did this this kind of seven pil- pillars of wellness thing it was a distraction of me doing all the things without putting this pressure on myself if that makes sense because i was yeah. doing them not i wasn't doing it like to have a baby I was doing it to feel better I was doing it for myself I was doing it to have my health to get my health in in the best place it could and then we could we could think about that so in a way it was a really good distraction for me because it was like okay it's like if you go to Pilates every week or you have your walk every day it's something for you that you're doing for you that then in turn I believe helps with just you feeling better and happier in your life and which then I think attracts the things that you want in your life. And I don't just mean fertility, but just anything, you know, I think when you really look at yourself and take care of yourself, and I think that that really helps in general, just to be happier, a happier and healthier person.
3: I agree completely. Just going back to the endometriosis for a second. So with surgery, it's the only way to actually really and truly know if you have it or not. But there are other ways of managing the symptoms as well, as in, you know, you mentioned it there about, you know, inflammation and yes. and certain foods are triggers that that would make the symptoms worse so do you still have to manage I mean I suppose they're wrapped up in what you were doing anyway to help you yeah. conceive um but do you know oh, yeah. kind of certain things that are, are just no good for you
4: yeah I think um I really had to come to terms with the fact that you know when you have a chronic disease or when you have any type of autoimmune you know issue a lot of that can be linked to and your gut and inflammation and foods and what we're putting into our body. And it was something that I think I had to come to terms with because I think when you grow up in Ireland, it's very like, ah, you know, don't be not be eating your gluten and your red meat. And you know, my mom and dad would be like, I know what, now you need your red meat and you know, all that kind of stuff. But when you, when I started really doing the research and reading the books on endometriosis and everything like that, I mean, and the top doctors in the world, they really were saying the same thing, mm. which is a lot of the time, you know, it might not cure it, but it will help the symptoms and it will help with the inflammation. And a lot of the issues with chronic diseases like endometriosis, inflammation basically does not help. It doesn't help the case. And so for me, I read a lot of books about, you know, the fact that endometriosis is really linked with celiac and, you know, gluten and how gluten can really be not good for inflammation. And so cutting out, being gluten-free um, or being gluten gentle as my baby doctor likes to call it now because during the first trimester I definitely was needing some bread and chips yeah <laughs> she was like well, gluten gentle and um, for now but like gluten-free and um, being mostly dairy-free other than like goat's milk and stuff and you know drinking um, just substituting like gluten-free pasta or almond milk or oat milk instead of you know full dairy milk or and being and um, Refined sugar free, yeah. And um, so just kind of getting my sugar from fruits and stuff, and it's really hard. And I've struggled. I you know I had my surgery at the end of 2019. You know, did really well for a while. I was like, yeah, I'm free, whatever. Then the pandemic hit, and I was like, pass me the food. Yeah. And then um, you know, when we had our loss, that was when I really was like, okay, you know what? I have this chronic disease. It's not going to go away. Um, you know, my surgery has managed it to some degree, but if I want to do this, I'm going to do this. The best way that I can and do for my body everything that I can and it's, it's it's annoying that you have to sometimes make these sacrifices and other people get to eat whatever they want and they're skinny and you know those people who just you know mm. but you know you have to go on what you've been given you know and I'm really grateful for what I've been given from God but mm. unfortunately I'm challenged in some areas. And so I was like, okay, Ruthanne, you know what? If you want to do this, you're gonna have to do it all the way. So I did it, and I'm still doing it now, and I've never felt better in my whole life. Being, you know, it, and and you know what? It, even to the point where you think you think I'm never gonna be able to give up, you know, certain things. But when you know what they do to your body, and you experience what they do to your body, and and the inflammation they cause, and how crap you feel, and time you can live without it because when you feel good, you're like, do you know what? I actually don't even want that. Yes. I don't want to feel bad, you know?
3: And also I suppose your why was so powerful. You wanted to be a mom. So yeah. when you know that that's the driving force as well, I'm, you're just, you're going to do whatever it takes, I suppose, to give yourself the best the best chance.
4: Yeah, because for me, it's like, there's so much, as you know, that is out of your control. There's yeah. so much with yeah. fertility that's out of your control. There's so much in life that's out of your control. So for me, it got to the point of like, well, what can I control? Mm. I can control what I'm putting in my body. I can control, you know, how I'm looking after my mind, going to acupuncture and I I can put these things in place and make a routine for myself, you know, that suits me and everyone will have their own version of this, you know, and what suits me and what I can do. And I just did it all the way. and And my fiance did it with me as well. He was again, you know, we're gonna do it together. Um, and and he had a plan that was tailored for him. And so we kind of had our own plans that were tailored for us specifically. And that's why I never say to people, I would never say to someone, you need to go gluten-free. I would say, you need to talk to your doctor or mm. your nutritionist or whatever, and you need to get a plan that works for you. Cause it's not going to, you know, w- one diet doesn't just work for all, you know? Yeah. So it's like, and for me, I'm not a dieter. I'm not. I'm not a dieter like that. Um, I'm more like, what is the best foods for my specific case, my body? You know, what will what will be medicine for me? What will be poison? And trying to cut out as much of the poison as possible. But then obviously treating myself, you know, on my birthday, or it was, you know, the doctor that I, Dr. Simone, she was like, on your birthday, have your bit of cheddar, you know, have your cheese, have your whatever, and then, you know, just be, go back to it, you know? And so it's not completely... Never eating chocolate again. You know, it's just being a uh, being more mindful about. It, I guess.
3: Yeah, and it is it is hard when you're pregnant, particularly because sometimes you can have cravings that come out of nowhere, um <laughs> <Yes. laughs> foods that maybe you wouldn't have eaten much of before, or you drop certain foods or drinks that you like because you just can't stomach them or whatever. So yeah, well, it must be tough. Well, this is what's amazing. This is what why it's so
4: so crazy with endometriosis and endometritis. So when I got pregnant. My doctor said to me, by the way, after your first trimester, you're going to feel better than you normally do. And I said, why? And he said, because pregnancy actually helps the symptoms because you're not having a period every month.
0: You right. d- you're not
4: going to have the same symptoms, okay. the inflammation, the hormones, everything. So I actually feel the best I've ever felt in my second trimester now. Oh, I'm, I've got energy for days. That i never have i'm cleaning and my fiance is going now what's happening here because i never would have the energy i'm like i have so much energy yeah but he's going this isn't the usual you in your <laughs> you know normal life and i said i think it's so my doctor said well this is what i was talking about the endo and the adenomyosis will actually be being looked after now once you get through that first 12 weeks you get pregnant and you get through the 12 weeks the symptoms will be gone because you don't have a time of the month so mm it's been amazing so that's why my baby doctor now is like okay we're gluten gentle because you don't have to be you can kind of in pregnancy as you have cravings you kind of need to go with the flow a bit, and the baby is kind of leading with yeah. what, what telling you what to eat so I'm being you know I'm being still very conscious and um, but I'm not you know killing myself if I have a bit of non-gluten-free bread you know so I'm just being kind to myself and um, at this at this point
3: Brilliant. I love that. I'm delighted for you. I didn't know that myself. So that's, isn't that so reassuring to hear that at least you get, you kind of get a bit of a break from it, I suppose.
4: Oh, yeah. And then, you know, the plan for me, you know, later on when I've had my kids is to, to have the operation to, 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 and that's just my own personal choice, just because for me, you know, living with this, I would rather it gone, you know, yeah. that I don't want it to come back. I'm enjoying my time without it. So for me, it's like, I've talked to my doctor and we've spoken about, okay, when you're ready, we'll take it all out. And you'll feel like you're 20 again, you know, cause I feel like for the past four years, I've been like a 90 year old woman in some ways. <laughs> I've been like, hobbling around the house in a robe with a hot water bottle and my poor fiance who's 26 is going well you're a barrel of laughs and so i'm like okay Mm -hmm. i don't want to go back to that and i i feel for so many women that feel like that right now and but i just want to say to you know everyone out there there is options there are books there is information out there and there are things that you can do without having to you know without having to spend loads of money on a private doctor without having to do some of the things there's literally your food your nutrition your mindfulness if you start there, you're already going to be doing yourself a massive favor. And I don't say that in a preachy way. I say it in a way of like, I, I used to eat whatever I wanted, but doing it this way has really helped me. Yeah. And so I do feel like I can say it works.
3: Yeah, you've seen the evidence of it, just the proof yeah. of, of feeling better. And, and you just mentioned it there, you t- touched on it. I mean, stress is a huge factor as far as I'm aware as well, isn't it?
4: Oh, yes. And I think we all got the chance to slow down during the pandemic i mean for me personally as a musician i i never was in the same place for more than you know i'm traveling for the last 15 years lived in la traveling all of you know tw- i was touring for the last few years um and so i never had a chance to slow down and 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 every industry you know and especially in the entertainment industry it's a high stress industry because it's very um insecure you don't you mm. know your job you don't have a con you know you're just kind of hoping that it's a roller coaster ride, the entertainment industry. And so it can be very high stress. And I would say that stress was a huge issue for me as well. And and the stress I was under and that I would put myself under um, just through my job. And, and the pandemic really gave me a chance to slow down and really think about that and work on stress and you know, go for walks and go to the par- do things that I never would have had time to do. And and that was really, really important, I think, was getting my stress. I think one of my doctors described it as kind of like your body can get into this like fight or flight mode. Yeah. And so, you know, you really need to it's about calming the nervous system down. And and that's so easier said than done, because I am I can be so neurotic and perfectionist about my music and and my career and everything like that but it really when now I've gotten to this place where through a lot of therapy and a lot of meditation and acupuncture where I feel like I'm I'm learning to calm my nervous system down. And you know, the world isn't ending if you know, I get a bad email or I have a bad day. And I think that that's something that, you know, again, I wish I wish I knew all this in my twenties, you know, or mm. in my in, in leaving cert, I'm like, can they not do a class on like menstrual health, mindfulness and just, you know reminding everyone that like it's going to be okay and you know I I just would be quite stressed about things and I think that I've really learned over the pandemic and um, one of the positives for me from the pandemic was how to slow down and just be calm and I needed that and I think that helped with everything as well.
3: But even though it's you feel like you've you've learned an awful lot over the past number of years because of what you have gone through and what you have you know, you've spoken to different doctors. You've adopted these different practices that have helped in your life. But I just can't help thinking that as much as I, it would be lovely to kind of have a time machine and go back and I hey, I'm 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 with you there. I mean, going yeah. back and having that conversation with your younger self, you could probably avoid quite a few, well, certainly in my life, quite a few holes, perhaps. But yeah. but the great thing is, you are now going to be before the year is out, you're, you're, you're going to be a mother and you're going to have all of this wisdom and knowledge to share with her and empower her going into her life as a girl and then growing into a woman. I mean, that's fantastic.
4: I love that. I hadn't really thought about it that way. Um, but yeah, I do feel like, I feel like I've learned so much through this journey and same yeah. with yourself with the journey that I do. And when I found out I was having a girl, I mean, I just wanted healthy, you know, I think all of us just exactly. want healthy.
3: yeah. Of course. And,
4: but then I was thinking about it and I thought, well, I can share this with her and I can hopefully help her along the way in ways that maybe, you know, when we were younger, we, we didn't know some of these things. So yeah, I'm really grateful to kind of, I'm, I'm just so excited to be a mother. It's something that, I think anyone who knew me in my twenties would go, "Ash, she's off at the ferry. She'll never, you know, she she won't be able to be grounded, you know, because I was all over the place traveling." But it really is something that, if you know me very well, you know that being a mother and 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 that motherly, you know, connection is something that I've always wanted. So I just feel so grateful that, um, yeah, that that's going to happen, and I'm just excited for that for this part of it.
3: Anytime I've seen you in an interview or, or, or like listened to your glorious voice, I feel like you're a very nurturing person anyway. So it seems like um, a natural step for you to, be, you know, to become a mother. Um, it, <laughs> I, I, I've always, yeah, just from listening to and and also the fact that you are such a fabulous role model for women. The fact that you're having a girl, I, 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 you know, I, I'm a big believer in everything happens for a reason. I don't think there's a, you know, this. And nothing just happens, you know, and there's a there's a reason yeah. for this, that you are going to be, you know, you're going to have a baby girl to to encourage and empower because you have been that voice for so many women, obviously, particularly in the music business, because you have paved the way from such a young age. You were so young, you heading off to L.A. to pursue your dreams and not a lot of I don't know, were you 17, 18, 19, round about that age?
4: 17, I was 17. 17.
3: Yeah. I mean, there's I not a lot. Of, yeah. Wow like there's not a lot of 17 year olds that will pack their bags and, and head (laughs) off for a new, for a new life. Um, I mean, that is, where did that come from? Was that something that you always had from a young age or were you, did your parents always encourage you to be your own person?
4: Yeah. My parents are, my mom is super strong. My dad had an accident when I was eight. Um, she jumped in to save a boy during one of the really bad floods. Um, and he almost drowned himself and we almost lost my dad. Oh. And from that, my mom kind of became the very strong, you know, my dad was very sick after that. He had to quit his job. He had a lot of mental health issues and um, post-traumatic stress disorder, everything like that from the drown from the drowning incident. And so I think I watched my mom really take charge of the household and look after my dad. He was very sick at the time. And, and I think having that strong, because I have two sisters, two older sisters, we're all quite like that, you know, we're very, Mm -hmm. my mom really taught us, I think, how to lead and how to, you know, she kind of became that role in a way. And I think, so I think without even knowing it at the time, I had a very strong role model of, of, of a mother who had, who had been a stay-at-home mom, now have to go back to work, be the provider in the family, look after a sick husband Mm -hmm. and, and, and three children and I think that that probably was instilled in me from just watching her without me knowing it at the time. And she was, to me, when I was younger, it was like, oh, she was a strict one. She was the one I couldn't, you know, butter up. You know, I'd go to my dad and I'd be like, oh, daddy. You know, and yeah. so we, did, we probably didn't get on as much in that time, but in that time, I would have probably learned so much from her because a lot of the qualities that now people say about me, I'm like, oh, I had to have gotten that from watching my mom be so strong. So for yeah. me, the other thing about my parents that I loved was... They never they weren't those pushy parents they weren't pushy like push me to the front anything everything came from me being like oh i really love writing songs you know and they gave me they had a crappy microphone and a little two tape and it was like well go go write them like go write another one and i play them and they go oh that's amazing go write another one it was a very like encouraging without being like you need to write this song and sit down for five hours they kind of like let me lead with my passions but anything I was really passionate about, they absolutely broke their backs to try and help encourage me to to do. So when they didn't have money or anything, they just tried their best to 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 have me be able to practice my passions in a way. And so um, you know, they really encouraged me without being pushy. And, you know, they knew when you if you talk to them now, they knew that like I was gonna do this, you know, it was like we had an agreement that I did my leave and surf, that I, that I wouldn't leave school and I would do my leave and surf. That was my mum's only like, I want you to have your education. And then they knew that I wanted to go off and, and make and be in, and just work in music. And I think that for a lot of parents at 17, you know, seeing their 17-year-old go to LA would have been very scary. But they always had this like belief in me that I think at times I didn't even have it myself, you know. And I would call them from LA and go, Oh, I've no money, I'm gonna have to get the boat home. And they'd go, no, you're going to do it. Just stick it out. You you know, believe in yourself. And so they had this belief in me that I think just like really helped me um, to, to push through. Um, and so, yeah, they were very supportive parents.
3: Do you know what? I'm listening to you here going, I'm imagining you as 17, you know, going on the plane on your own. And I thought... <laughs> I thought me going on the bus from Galway to Dublin at 19 was a big deal. I was like, Jesus, this is really grown, up, really grown up. But like a whole, you know, a different continent going across the world on your. Did you fly on your own?
4: No, I didn't fly on my own. Now they wouldn't. They definitely wouldn't have allowed that. Um, okay. they, I, I met a manager at the time who was Irish and he was managing Mark and Danny from the script who were over there. So he spent about three months getting to know my family with his family uh, okay. and, he, you know, letting them know, you know, cause my parents were definitely protective of me and especially when you think of the music industry, it's like they, you know, they would have been, I think my mom would have been, her nerves would have been gone if I went to my own. So I actually went over with them cause he, the manager at the time had a management office out there and a, an apartment and everything. So I was with him and his family. I was on my own in the sense of I'd never been to America. I'd never, you know, i never really traveled. We didn't have the money really to travel. So I wasn't very traveled in any way. And I was quite a young 17 year old, I would say very, I wasn't, you know, I was very young in that way. And so I definitely learned a lot being out there and got a lot of independence being out there um, and saw a lot. And as a woman being in the music industry, why I'm so, um, why, why I really want to help, the women of Ireland in music is just because being a woman in the music industry is tough it's it's can be a boys club and so I yeah. experienced a lot of that in LA and um, and it's something that I'm trying to to help break down you know them 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 barriers the boy club barriers and stuff like that and just you know be respected for our talent instead of it anything to do with our gender and everything like that so I think that comes from just my years in LA being in some of them misogynistic situations. And wanting to change that for the future, for the upcoming little girls that are in their bedroom right now, you know, with dreams.
3: Yes. Yeah. I know you've worked so hard and but, you know, whenever we hear about you, it's always the kind of the highlights and it's the, the huge achievements because they are. They're massive. They're massive achievements. You're an artist in your own right with the most glorious voice. But you've okay. also written songs for, I mean, musical legends. And uh, without me actually saying it, can you just like name a few of the songs that people will know, but they might not know that you've written the song?
4: Um, oh, I hate this because I feel like a brag, but um, I'll tell you some. Yeah, some people might know them, but um, I did a lot of Niall Horan's first record, so Slow Hands would have been the big hit from that one, and four other songs on that one. When um, I did his also his first single from his latest record, Nice to Meet You, with him. Um, I did Too Little Too Late by Jojo. Yeah. I did a Britney Spears song called Work, B-I-T-C-H. Work Bitch. <laughs> I did a big dance record called In the Name of Love with Martin Garrix and BB Rexa, And I worked with John Legend on his, uh, on a Grammy-nominated Christmas album. And yeah, I think those are like some of the
3: main ones. There's a shyness in your voice when you're saying that, which is <laughs> so endearing.
4: No, I just don't like to, you know, name, look like a name job, but... And um, it's always nice when I'm with friends because they'll sometimes do it for. They'll just say it for me, and then yeah. I'm <laughs>
3: sorry, I should have done it for <laughs> oh, you. No, you're
4: fine. You're <laughs> fine. I'm always thinking of like the next thing, and so I always forget some of the song. I'm like, oh my god, yeah, I did that, and I did that, and when I hear them on the radio and stuff, it's always like, wow. Like, and um, when I think about the stuff that I've achieved, like some of the artists I've got to like be in the room with, yeah. I'm even like, how the hell <laughs> that happened. <laughs> How did I get in a room with John Legend? Like I remember voice noting my friend, my best friend, Jenny on the way to that session. Cause I was such a big fan Yeah. and I had to be so cool. And I was voice noting her, going like, how am I from John Lameed? Like what is happening here? Like I'm about to be in the, in the, in the session with just me and him. Like, what am I going to talk about? Like fangirling. And then obviously I went to the studio. I was like, hi John, how are you? Just acted completely fine.
3: <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, that's the thing about you. You are incredibly talented, but you're also not afraid of working hard. And as you said, I suppose you saw that from an early age with the circumstances that your family were given, that your 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 mother had to kind of, you know, grab hold of the reins and and and, and get all of you guys through. Um yeah. so I suppose there's there's no accident in that, there, you know, um, you, you know, you you knew that if you did want to achieve it wasn't going to come necessarily easy and i know that the years you spent in la were full of ups and downs you've spoken about that
4: yeah, yeah it's it's a road i mean la is a roller coaster ride and especially when you come from you know every country has its own cultures and stepping into a culture like that hollywood is 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 you know coming from europe coming from uk irish culture especially it's just a big like whoa you know it's a different world and it's about trying to belong in that world and fit in in that world and that can make a lot of people lose themselves and you know and and it can bring you down a a wrong road i think for me i always had been reared with good morals and 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 to respect myself and everything like that but i definitely can see how people would be taken off go off the rails there and i was really i just really stuck my head down and did the work though i always said to people you know Parties is one thing, celebrities is one thing, but it's really the music that speaks and it's the talent. And my mom and dad always said, always lead with your talent, lead with your Irish storytelling, make people laugh with your stories, break the ice, but always lead with your talent. And so that was always what kind of was in my head was like, you know, I'll always let the music speak. And so Mm. whenever I work with an artist or anything like that, I'm always just thinking, I just want to do the best song possible. I just want to make the best music possible. And that's always what I've tried to stick to and not get drawn in by any of the other, you know, glamorous things um, that I think can be very enticing. And I've definitely been around a lot of that. But I de- I just think Irish people are very grounded. And I don't think there was anyone that was going to take me up- out of that grounding that I'd had, you know, with my family and my friends. And, um, you know, I wouldn't be invited home if I ever was being a diva. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I just yeah. wouldn't be my parents no one would have st- st- stood for it at home, you know? So I just never, and Niall is the same like that. And he's someone that I've always enjoyed working with because he's so normal and he just doesn't get, you know, he's just not a celebrity in that way. And um, he's very just Nile and he's himself. And, and, and I love that type of side of it. It's just people who can still be grounded and still just be down to earth and just do the work. Cause it is, a, it is amazing, but it's a job. And it's work and you have to work very, very hard in the industry to make any type of uh, stamp, you know, an, an impact. And then even when you do make an impact, you have to keep doing it. You know, <laughs> it's not like it's like you're only as good as your last hit or whatever they say. Yeah. So it's almost like once you get on that roller coaster, you want to keep going. And And for me, it's like it, it is about music and it's about connecting with people and it's about people messaging me saying, Oh, I walk down the aisle to the vow, like my, mm. my artist song, and that's what is the most important than anything else. And so once I just keep my my mind on the fact that I'm making music and I want to make people feel something, that always I think keeps me in the right headspace.
1: Yes.
3: And the great thing about being grounded as well is while it is great for those around you, because you're nicer to be around when somebody is has a good sense of themselves and and is not kind of, you know, allowing the ego to take over. But also it's better for your own mental well-being as well when you are feeling that sense of earthiness and grounded. And this is who I am. This is my talent, but I'm you know, I'm not going to allow it to uh, make me feel elevated to other people are superior to anyone else that's and that's really good for you as a person
4: yeah and you know what it is like any artists or people i've worked with that are like that it's exhausting to be that way i don't know how people you know the can be can be that way it's very exhausting and it's part of so many other issues and so many other things and Mm. i've just always tried to keep my my thing about the music and 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 that's what's kind of got me through because it's a really, really tough industry. And there's been plenty of times I've wanted to give up. And there's been times I thought, oh my God, I'm not ruthless enough for this. And I'm not bitchy enough. I'm not, you know, maybe you have to be more greedy and selfish and, you know, and I'm, I just not really like that as a person because I really believe in karma. So I'm always trying to do things the fairest way and the best way for the song and everything like that. But yeah, I just, that's just the way that I, role and, and and I'm lucky that I have been so blessed to be in the industry for as long as I have and um, from such a young age but I'm still learning and I'm still trying to get better at what I do and be a better person and be kinder like I think we I you can always be better you know I've definitely had moments where I've been like okay could have handled that better Ruth but I think I'm getting better with age with how to handle the industry because it's a really there's no college for how to be in the music industry mm. that's the thing it's like you kind of have to be in it to do it, and and it's definitely a, a ride, you know, yeah. and you learn a lot being in it. So I feel like I'm at a, I'm in a good place with it now.
3: I can I, look. I can only imagine. I wouldn't have a clue. I'll be honest. Obviously, because <laughs> I'm, I'm not in it, but I am. Um, I can I can only imagine that it is something that you learn as you go, and as you said, you're still learning now. And while you spent years writing songs for other people, you finally then embraced your passion of wanting to be an artist in your own right because the thing about you as I suppose is it's not just that you're an an exceptional songwriter but you've also been blessed with an incredible gift your voice is spectacular so it's kind of like it would be a no-brainer to do your own stuff because it's not like you can't you can't sing you can and you can sing bloody brilliantly so a few years ago you you bit the bullet and you decided to do it was that nerve-wracking
4: no actually it was a long time coming and a lot of people I was working with when they would hear me sing would say why aren't you yeah why aren't you making an album Um, and it was really more of a timing thing it was like you can't really master you know you've got I needed to kind of make a mark as a songwriter first almost because that was what had given me my big break and that was what people were kind of coming to me for so it was kind of like okay well this is my way in the door so let's break down this door and let's get this to a place and then i can do that but for me it's like it was it's never been about fame or you know because a lot of people be like oh you're stepping in front of the camera and i'm like it's not even really that for me it's more just that i love to sing it's just for me singing is my way of it's it's when i'm most comfortable actually is when i sing Um, and so for me sometimes being a writer in a room Without the singing element, I get a bit lost, and and singing is such a way of release for me, and it's just something. It's just my just my passion. I just love to sing. I'll all, I'll sing for two people. I'll sing for tw- two thousand, twenty thousand, whatever. I've just always loved to sing, and um and it's something that I feel like I've just always wanted to do. So to be able to get to do both now to to sing my own songs to write for the people to get to do both is is as always what i've wanted to do it was just about finding the balance of doing both and i think mm. that was tough to figure out the balance and people always ask me how do you do both and you know what happens when you're doing both and everything like that but i i found the balance and i think for me it just came with this acceptance of like i'm not trying to be out here being like the most famous you know biggest pop star in the world i'm just trying to feel something connect with people and sing for people and whoever wants to hear me sing great and whoever wants me to write for the people, great. and I'll just and it's all about just keeping making music. But I think with my own artist stuff, it's an it's an important outlet of creativity for me. It's a release that I get. It's stories that are mine that I get to tell. yeah, that maybe another artist wouldn't wouldn't need to tell because it's not their story. So it's a good way for me to kind of get my own stories out there. and you know, and and some because when I write for the people, I get the song is given to them and then I have no control over what happens so it's it's the it's it's taken out of my hands like a baby that you're sending off to college whereas with my artist music I get to you know be across everything from the videos to the release to like the performances and that's a part of it that I love doing and I just I love rehearsing I love playing with the band so for me it's like I'm always going to do both you know yeah. and and I am I feel really, really fulfilled in that. I, I, I'm i really happy with where it's all at and I'm not, you know, yeah, I'm just happy. I'm just, I just feel lucky that I get to do both and hopefully I can keep doing that. And some people will like what I do as an artist. Some people like what a songwriter. Some people might like both. Some people might hate it all. And it's all, it's fine. Cause it's just art, isn't it? And I think that if I wasn't making art, I would be a very, very sad person cause I would mm. miss it so much. Cause I love making music, so.
3: Yeah. When you speak about telling stories and telling your own stories and how enjoyable that process was, your latest single, Safe Place, also tells a story. Can you share the kind of the, I suppose, the background to that?
4: I feel like it'll come very full circle with the conversation we've had because Mm. I wrote it um, in L.A. when I had just had another of my, you know, monthly mental breakdowns when I was having my endometriosis battle And I had just had them and I was canceling every work and I was just, my mental health was in a really dark place. And there were times when, you know, when you're in chronic pain, all you can think about is wanting the pain to end. That's all you can think about. You can't think about anything else. You're not really thinking straight. You're just like, Oh, I want this pain to go. And I would do anything to make this pain go. And for me, that, that was what was mentally in my head a lot. And um, there was times where I would turn around to my partner and say, I just, I can't, I can't do that. I, can't, I don't want to be here anymore. I can't live with this pain anymore. It's just, I just, I can't be here.
1: Mm. And
4: I think that he he was re- very upset by that and was worried about me and it never got past those type of thoughts. And I said them out loud. And once I said them out loud, I was like, but obviously I would never hurt myself and you know, but I did go to very dark places and Ollie was very instrumental in getting me out of those dark places And he would just do things like, well, let's talk about what is in your life that you're happy with and what I was grateful for. And when I would list out all the things, it would really help me go. So there's nothing really to be this upset about and this Mm. depressed about. Like I have you, I have my, you know, I have my family. And it didn't make sense to me why I would feel this way. And so he really reminded me like, this isn't you. This is your illness talking and this is your pain talking. And mm. we're going to sort that out, you know? And he would really be patient with me um, when I didn't want to see anyone. And I wanted to cancel going to the party and he would stay with me. And so Safe Place, he actually said the title to me. He said, "I, I we write together a lot. And he said, I love this title, Safe Place. And I said, wow, like, because you're my safe place. Mm. And so we went into the studio and the words just, a lot of the time with me when I'm writing about you know, something very strong, like feeling the words and the melody just come out at the same time. And I just started saying all the things that I felt about what he was for me. And the song is basically about me get, getting out of those dark places and realizing that I had so much love around me and so much, and I had this safe place to go and that I did wasn't going to let the pain and, and my help, you know, drag me down into the dark place and I was going to stay in this safe place with him and my family and everyone who was supporting me at the time through my health battle, and so the song is really about that, and it's really about anyone who is struggling with depression or anxiety or anything like that, and it's trying to encourage people to find their safe place, whoever that is. For some people, it's a dog, it's a pet, it's an animal, it's 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 a, it's, a, it's a it's their mom, their dad, their best friend. You know, I have lots of safe places, mm. and for me at that time, Ollie was mine. He still is mine. But, um, and I always say to him, no pressure, but like, you're kind of like a big part of my life here. So don't, mm. don't leave me. Yeah. <laughs> don't mess it up. Um, and <laughs> you know, cause uh, how embarrassing cause I've said all this nice stuff about, you know, but he's, he's <laughs> uh, but yeah. And so this song um, is quite an emotional one for me because it, it, it reminds me of that place that I was in mm. um, back then. You are my safe mm. place. From things that I can't face When it all gets too much for me And I'm lost in my anxiety And if my heart aches You'll breathe with me in my pace When
3: it all gets on top of me You are
2: my gravity
3: And And it's such Thank a beautiful song. So um, continued success with it. And if you haven't heard it, make sure that you remedy that because it's absolutely beautiful. Um, And I when you speak about safe places, I can't help but think about your own dog as well, Ruby, because, you know, whenever I see any footage of you, um, you know, with her on on your Instagram, it just seems like you're madly in love.
4: Oh, she is my, well, she's like my first child in a way. Like she is, She's got. She's prepared me for motherhood. I know. I know. Obviously, a, a human child is going to be a way different thing, but um Ruby came along at a time. She came. We got her right before the lockdown, and again, she is just like they really do say. And I never really got this before, but animals can just really calm you down. Mm. And she is with. She was with me throughout after my loss. She would just sit. It's like she knew. That I, what I'd gone through she just knew and she was there for me and she would sit with me and she didn't leave my side and she always knows when I'm upset and she even she just is she just knows me and she's just me and Ollie are just obsessed with her she's such a gentle loving animal and she's just like my little star I just look I mean she I've even got her singing now I mean I'm <laughs> it's pretty bad how obsessed we are with her. But even when I listen back to Safe Place, I'm like, oh my god, Ru- I didn't even know Ruby then. I didn't have Ruby then, but she is a safe place for me, yeah. and she just keeps she just keeps me calmer and happier. And I do believe that you know animals and dogs can really have that effect for people. And so yeah, she's she's another light in our lives, and even now. Um, I think she can hear, I think dogs can hear the heartbeat because she she wants to lie near my stomach all the time. And it's just so, oh, I'm gorgeous. just really excited for her and my baby to meet so they can be little besties. Yeah. Oh
3: my goodness, the cuteness of that. <laughs> I'm just imagining the photo shoots you're going to be able to do in those er- <laughs> early weeks. Oh my, <laughs> oh my
4: God. Oh my God, stop. There's uh, an Instagram account I follow where the dog like literally cuddles the no, baby. No, stop. And I, I can't cope with that. <laughs> I'm going to be doing
3: all that oh you have to you have to look i'm so excited for you you have you know as i have been lucky enough to to go through um you know that moment when you're when when you're handed your baby and it is it is mind altering body altering transformative in the very best way and uh you have all of that ahead it's it's amazing I'm
4: so excited for that moment.
3: So this year and next year are massive years because you know you're you're going to become parents before the end of 2021, and then next, the year after 2022, you guys get married.
4: Yeah, we we were meant to get married literally this Saturday. Wow. um, But we moved it obviously because of COVID, and so we're getting married next year, 2022. And yeah, we're just so excited. We'll have a little flower girl (laughs) at our our wedding that we didn't know we'd have and um yeah it's gonna be it's like i think in life you have all these chapters and this is like our next chapter you know and i'm just like really excited for everything that's coming i'm still a lot of people like are you going to still make music and i'm like of course i'll be making music till i'm you know till i'm die um, and always so music will still be happening and i'm just excited to kind of start this new chapter and you know start a family and get married and have all that side of it
3: I'm so excited for you and I'm so delighted for you as well especially Mm -hmm. after the past few years and how challenging they've been and actually I hadn't realized how difficult they had been for you until you know you spoke there and you went into such detail so you really you really have had it tough and now you're in such a great place and it's it's so beautiful and so deserved and just continued growth the growth of your bump and enjoy the pregnancy and um, I'll be following your stories and I'll be following your I'll be career. following
4: yours I'm so excited for you as well and everything Thank that you've you. been through. Isn't it just so crazy like how you really don't know what a person goes through and I think that the more and older that I get and the more that I'm having my own experience my own journey and i talk to other women and i talk people are going through a lot and yeah, this is like time. this life stuff can get really heavy and but it's so great to have you talking like this or having these conversations because you know it makes you remember like everyone has something obstacles in their life they have to go through whether it's you know with their health with their with their career with fertility with everything and so just everyone out there like you know you're not no one is exempt from the the tough things that can come our way And so it's just great to have that you're doing this podcast and talking to women like me and everything so that we can get get our stories out there. And hopefully someone who's listening won't feel as alone in what they're going through.
3: Thank you so much for saying that. And it is because of women and men like you who open up and talk about tough stuff that that really does help everybody else. So I think collectively it's we're making a difference, you know, and that's not um, that's not an egotistical statement. I'm just saying that when we do talk about stuff that hasn't gone well and we make ourselves vulnerable, I personally find it massively comforting to know that not everybody has their shit together and not everybody's life is sunshine and flowers. And in fact, I think very few people's lives are. I think I don't think we go through life without having a challenge in one way or another. So we need to normalize that. Yeah.
4: And more than ever, with social media painting a very different picture. Sometimes, yeah, it's important. And that's why, as well, because some people, I think, look at my gender, if really, you look at my things, and go, "Oh, you've you've got the best relationship with the thing." It's like, well, no, we we all have challenges behind the scenes, yeah. And I just don't want to be boring everyone with my struggles on Instagram all the time. But I think it's important to talk about this stuff so that people know there is no one out there that just has it easy and has this perfect life. And it's just important that we all talk about it, especially in today's over filtered you know media so it's it's time to kind of get down to the real business but thank you so much for having me on here i've wanted to chat to you and it's so nice to chat to you and thank you for what you're doing
3: oh wow i'm blown away by it thank you thank you i could just uh, say for another 10 minutes uh, for letting us in and for being so honest um i know this this episode is going to help a lot of people and and i think again you know we do just see you know the achievements on paper kind of Grammy nominated you know you've done this you've done that you've done the other and sometimes we just don't have a clue so thank you for allowing us in and and I'm so delighted for you that life is so good and that you have such exciting times ahead so I'll be thinking about you and sending you good vibes and and thank you so much for this chat I'm so grateful
4: thank you so much to you too really really enjoyed it thank you
3: Ruth Ann's new single, Safe Place, is out now. And to follow her on Instagram, you'll find her at This Is Ruth Ann. And if you like this podcast, please do show your support by leaving a rating or a little comment on Apple or by clicking follow on Spotify. I would be so grateful. You've been listening to Ready to Be Real Conversations.
4: Planning for your next trip?